0: Morning, everyone. It's good to be together, um, and it's great that God is with us. I just in the worship, I just sensed, um, just sensed that um, God is God is doing something new with us, isn't He? I, I hope you sense that in your spirit, and even just as Helen was just leading us then into surrendering. Um, our lives are fresh to God, and laying down, and maybe there's specific things. I feel that's part of what God is doing um, with us in these days, which is why it's so exciting that we are starting a new series on prayer um, this morning, sort of more so next week, Um, but when I came back off the time off um, earlier this year, um, we were talking about preaching series for the rest of this year, and... And Nigel and Al, as we were chatting, said to me, Really feel we should do a preaching series on prayer, which is, I think, right in the heart of what God is wanting to renew in us as His people. And so that's what we're going to be doing over these um, coming six or seven weeks, is we've called this series Awaken, because actually it's not just a case of God, would you teach us to pray? Although that is key for followers of Jesus that we learn to pray. But it is that we would have a hunger and a desire, a new, a new passion for prayer and the pursuit of the presence of God. So this morning I want to just um, take a moment as we head into this new series to actually step back and go back to last um, September when we were together as two sites at the Wyvern Theatre for that um, great morning we had together there and remind us of who God has called us to be. And then why does this matter in the context of prayer and the pursuit of God? I want to take us back and remind us of who God has called us to be, what God has laid before us, the opportunities that are in front of us. Because actually, if we are going to become who God has called us to be, it is essential that we are a people who pursue him first and foremost. In fact, many Christians across the nation are sensing And boy, are we living in significant days, that in these days of history, I hope we're looking at these days we're living in as as history-making days in the society that we're in, that this will be a moment in many, many years to come, when people will look back and say the nation pivoted, it was a tipping moment for this nation. And I hope we're seeing these days of Brexit like that, not just an annoyance, not just Politicians, would you make your mind up and get your act together? But, but there's a tipping moment happening right now. And many churches of many denominations, many Christian leaders, many followers of Jesus are believing that we are living in days of um, significant history, but that at the same time, God is awakening his church again. That God is wanting to come and do something new in his people. And it's been interesting that, as Nigel and Al said, I really feel we should preach on prayer that actually it's not just, oh great, let's do that, tick that one off, but also in the body there's been many people reading and sensing a fresh call to prayer in their own life, which is incredibly exciting when you say, gosh, God, you're putting something in our hearts and it's in the body too. It kind of makes it feel easier to get along and stoke it into a fire. And so actually 24-7 prayer, this week that Callum's just been talking about, wasn't our idea. It was something that came up through the body, and we're like, yes, God, this is what you're doing. Now come grab hold of us afresh. But prayer, if you look through church history, if you read accounts of church history, which is why Dirty Glory, the book we're going to wave, I haven't got it with me today to wave, but the book that we're going to wave and quote from probably a lot over this um, next few weeks or couple of months, prayer is essential It's an essential key ingredient to every move of God. Every significant move of God is preceded by his people pursuing him in prayer, which is why Pete's book is so exciting, because it tells of modern-day accounts of when God's people pray, stuff happens. Not just 100 years ago, or 400 years ago, but today, when God's people galvanize themselves in prayer and pursue him, Stuff happens. And so this series, we want, to, we want to look at what is an essential element of God's people, which is prayer as a key ingredient, as something that comes and prepares us and prepares the ground for God to move in power in our generation. Not just to read about it in the history books and think, wouldn't it be nice if God came and did something, but that God's church were hungry, God's people are hungry for his presence. And in that context, God breathes on our town, on our families, on our homes, on our marriages, on our workplaces, in our relationships, and breathes us into life as God's people marked out by the power of the presence of Almighty God, who we have relationship with. And many churches, and many streams, and and we are one of those. And good news for Swindon that we're part of is one of those. And regions beyond our wider family of churches are sensing that God is wanting to do something in this nation. And so it's our job as his people to respond and to, and to catch the breath of God in these days. And prayer is central to that. And Pete Gregg, in his book Dirty Glory, he says this, the greatest answer to prayer is prayer itself. When the church becomes so hungry for more of God's power and presence that we finally turn to him in persevering prayer. Seeking his face day and night. We can be sure that the Lord will not be slow to act. In our time, the church of Jesus is certainly arising. Amen. Seeking God with renewed desire. Amen. And rediscovering its primary purpose as a house of prayer For all nations. So, in this series, it's not about, please don't, it's not just about a series tickets done. In this moment that we're in, there's an invitation from God for us to come to Him afresh with renewed, awakened hunger and desire for His presence. We don't pray to get God to do something, we pray to get God. And when we've got God, then God does something through you and I that the world cannot resist. But I want to pray that this, in this moment, that prayer for us would shift from being an optional add-on in our lives to become our first of all. Just want to literally pray right now. Father... We welcome you here by your spirit. We thank you that you are with us. We thank you that you love us and you're towards us today. And we just pray that you would come and right now again, this, in this moment, begin to awaken in us fresh hunger and desire. Wherever we are with prayer right now, wherever we are with intimacy with you. We just pray that you would come and awaken in us fresh hunger for your presence. We're asking for you to do something supernatural in us as your people. Would you make us soft-hearted this morning? Responsive to your, to your prophetic lead of your church. That we would be those who, who take stock of our lives and begin to shift things around willingly for your glory and your fame. And for your presence in our life, and so we come. I just, I just want to lift. I just want to lift those here right now who say, who, 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 are struggling with prayer and thinking, "Oh no, something else to do." Something I've always struggled with. I just want to encourage you that that right now, even this morning, you would pray the simple prayer that countless followers of Jesus have prayed over two thousand years, which is simply this: "Come, Lord Jesus," and that you would see what He does in your life. So, Lord, we lift this coming. Um, moment to you and we pray it would be an epoch, a defining moment in our story that it would be, Lord, that not only are we walking through this season as a nation of Brexit, but we would see it through the lens of heaven, the perspective of heaven, that there is a tipping moment of the nation is changing, but so too is the church as God pushes down on the scales, as God breathes fresh life into his people. So Lord, we, we bring ourselves, we position ourselves before you. We say, awaken a desire for your presence, we pray. Renew us as your people. You don't have to um, dig deeply to realize in the New Testament, but not even in the New Testament, in the Old Testament, that prayer really is the boiler room of God's people, the church. That there's an expectation in heaven that God's people are a people who who cry out to him, who run to him, who, who spend time in his presence. I just want to literally read a couple of scriptures to you. Colossians 4.2. Paul writes this to the Colossian church, continue steadfastly in prayer, being watchful in it with thanksgiving. Romans 12.12, 12, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer. Ephesians six eighteen, praying at all times in the spirit. Yikes. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication, to that end keep alert, uh, alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. Or simply one Thessalonians five seventeen, pray without ceasing that as you read through the, the letters of Paul to the church and the apostles to the church, you cannot avoid that prayer is an expected ingredient of God's people. Yet for many of us, it sits as an, a sense of obligation rather than in, an invitation, sorry. It sits as an obligation rather than an invitation into the very presence of God. And somewhere in that, muddled thinking, we lose the desire and the hunger and the power that God intends to birth in us, to see transformation in our lives and in the town and sphere of influence around us. So as we get going, I just want to, um, to really step back to say, okay, who are we then? If God is inviting us into prayer, to what end? Well, as I said, first of all, to know God, to delight in Him, to be hungry for His presence. And boy, that is, that is what we're here for, to worship Him, to exalt Him. But there are some markers for us that we must, and some, and some things before us that we need to keep in front of us, even as we're pursuing God, to say, God, as the things that you've called us as your people here, as your church worldwide but as us as gateway to be and things that you have for us to do if we're ever going to walk into those things it needs to be fueled by prayer so we need to keep prayer right at the center of who we are but also the very things that God has called us to be and do need to sit right in front of us all the time well why are we doing that because God's told us to because God's spoken and we want to be responsive to him both personally and corporately And so I've just got a couple of things that I want to remind us of again as we set sail on this. Firstly, we are a people led by the prophetic. We're a people led by the prophetic. And I really believe that we as Gateway Church, but the church in Swindon are a community who are hungry to see God do something significant in Swindon in our generation. I really believe there is a hunger for that. I'm hungry that God would move in power. I'm, I, I love reading history books of moves of God, but I want to see it with my eyes. That just like Simeon, he says, my eyes have seen the Lord. Now I can, now I can go and rest in your presence. I didn't just pray for it, but I saw something of God move. I saw the power of God in our generation. We, we've seen some exciting things. We've We've, we've walked through some exciting journeys, but boy, is there more. It's a bit like the alpha slogan, there must be more than this. And it's not only people who aren't followers of Jesus who ask that. Hopefully the church is asking that question. There must be more than this. There must be because there's a world that is dying and hurting and God has called us to be his hands and feet and his very presence here on earth to say, go and minister to them. As ministers of reconciliation, people who are far from God, bring them to me, introduce them to me, tell them about me, pray for them, heal them, cast out demons. There must be more than this. And we are a people who are led by the prophetic and the prophetic gives us vision and sight to see, God, that's what you want to do. And that's our part to play in what you want us to do. And this is why a growing expectancy and desire to pray and pursue God and say, God, we're going to, I don't think it's that costly to get up at three o'clock in the morning for whoever chooses to sign up for that slot. Um, But it's why we say, actually, it's worth it. It's not just something to fill the diary with. It's not just a tool to try and get the church praying, although in one sense, it is a tool to try and get the church praying. But it's because we want to say to God, we are serious in our pursuit of you. And if you are not in the very heart of who we are and if your presence is not among us, then we are no good to this town. We are just a club meeting on a Sunday for some crazy reason. But if you're with us and if we have a hunger for you, then boy, God will move. We as a church carry big prophetic promises over us. I just want to read two um, short prophetic promises When the church, Gateway Church, was birthed um, a long time back now, Ben Davis, uh, a fiery Welshman um, who was living in Bracknell and leading um, Bracknell Church, or the Kerith Church it was called then, Kerith Community Church, he he was talking with Andrew and, and shared a prophetic word he felt that God had given to us a Swindon Family Church at the time, now Gateway, which was simply this, Build locally, think internationally, and that has been a a shaping, a defining word for us ever since. And like all things in life, there's seasons where we're we're pursuing that more intentionally, and other seasons for whatever reason that we back off it, or it kind of moves off our radar at points. But I want to remind us this morning that God has called us Gateway to build locally, to build locally well, to have presence in this town. Not just nice meetings, but presence. But to think internationally. Say, God, we're here for this town, but we're here for the nations. And Julian Adams prophesied in um, almost eight years ago to the day, in April 2011, and he said this, Gateway is an appropriate name. A church that opens up the nations, opens up unreached people groups, opens up new places for the gospel. God's releasing on elders and couples, there is an anointing to move into the next level. God is saying this is a season of crossover, transition, and it's going to be marked out by an extraordinary grace, grace for you to lead. And God is going to begin to change the parameters of this church from being a receiving pastoral church into a sending resource church. Now, we want to care for one another as well as we possibly can. And we want to love one another as well as we possibly can. But we don't want that to hinder us in being a resource church to this town and to the nations. So God's going to begin to change the parameters of this church. And God is going to begin to really open up doors for you both locally and globally. And God says, I'm going to twin the ability to minister both globally and locally. Hey, Ben Davis, build locally, think internationally. Julian Adams, God says, I'm going to twin that ability to do the both and do the both well. We carry big prophetic promises. Just recently, our wider family of churches, regions beyond, had a gathering in Marathon in Greece. And Nicomotti were there representing us, um, carrying the baton for us there. And there was about 350-ish leaders gathered from literally right across the world. Um, so leaders from New Frontiers, churches, um, people who we have good relationship with, and people who love us and are praying for us. And, and these guys were gathered there, and Motti reminded us of this on um, Thursday evening as we gathered as elders and wives together for the evening. She, she reminded us of a prophetic word that was given at Marathon for. The church is in regions beyond. It was given by a guy called Rory Watts, who leads a church in Johannesburg, and he said this, I believe God is taking us into a new era. It is not a change of season as it is not something we have experienced before. New eras present a total change of landscape, which brings about such a significant change in the mode of operation." I'll read that again. New eras present a total change of landscape which brings about such a significant change in the mode of operation. Seasons are recognizable to those who have experienced them before. And one can find yourself back at the same point. A new era is something totally new. I, I met with Steve Oliver briefly briefly um, Last week, to catch up, haven't seen him for ages, and he's coming to be with us the second weekend in June, um, so be around that Sunday. It would be a great encouragement to us to have Steve, who leads our family of churches with us for that weekend, and he was also reminding me of this prophetic word, and he said, this is, not, this is something for us. We, as we were together, as, we, as Nicomotti and, and, and the crew were gathered together, and this word was given, it really landed well with our spirit. We really sense that God was talking to us and we need to listen and it needs to be shaping and defining who we are at this moment because God is wanting to do something new in our generation. And for our part here in Gateway to serve Swindon and our part as the UK to serve the nations of the world and there's big prophetic promises about God moving in the UK for the sake of the nations of the world at this time. And we've got to listen and respond and have hearts that are soft to God and open to him saying, okay, God, come and bring it on them." Which is why when we sing, God, I surrender it all to you, don't you dare say those words unless you mean it. Because God loves to break things that are idols in our lives. He is a jealous God and he says, besides me, there will be no other. And so if you dare say those words, God, I surrender everything to you, he will take you at your word. So God is taking us into a new era, not just a new season, but it's something brand new for us. It's an era where we are going to need to be reshaped for the things that God has for us. So if you remember back in September last year when we were at the Wyvern, I don't know if you remember this, but we haven't really talked much like this since then. But we, we said simply that we believe our vision is that God has called us to be a people who exist to give themselves away. Hey, we, Gateway Church, Julian Adams prophesying over us, Gateway Church, you're to become a resource. And we've we said, yeah, that, that really, as we talk as a team and pray as a team, that just sits in our spirit. It isn't about saying, hey, look how good we are. It's about saying we need to position ourselves and learn what does that mean for us and say, God, Okay. There's something that goes right through Pete Gregg's book where he said, we just learned to simply say yes to God. And we're saying, yes, God, we want to be a resource church for your glory that, that friends and others would be motivated and propelled into mission. So God, come and do something new in us. Reshape us for that purpose. So in one sense, it's a new era. It's a bit like when rockets... Um, um, the Falcon 9 is taking off, delivering a new payload into space and, and then trying to land back down on those platforms out in the ocean. At each stage, something has to break away in the, in the um, launch phase. I can't remember what it's called. Each time it gets to a certain point, there's been a, a season of propulsion, something breaks away and then other engines or thrusters kick in and it's a violent moment as it goes on the next stage of its journey. And and really, I believe that's what God's saying to us. There's a new era for you gateway. And as something breaks away, something has to break away. Otherwise, it will drag us down. And that can be hard and tough. And it can at times feel like something is broken. I'm sure if we were sat on a spaceship right now, flying up into space, and then we come to the end of one thrust into the next cycle, that moment would be a violent moment. I do not believe for one moment it would be comfy or nice. And it can feel like something is broken. It can feel like at those moments, we just need a bit more of a push to break through into the next. It can feel at times like either this thing's going to break or I'm going to break, but God, something somewhere needs to break for us to move into this new era. Changes in era, in defining moments require us to push intentionally into something new with new vigilance, new focus, and new willingness to keep pursuing what God is calling us to do. And right now, God is saying, I want to come and do something new in this nation. Would you come and learn to gather and be hungry for me? It kind of makes sense, doesn't it? It kind of feels like quite a simple equation. I'm doing something new. The church is to pursue me in prayer equals a move of God. So God has called us to be a people who exist to give themselves away to God, first and foremost in worship, to one another in love, to our neighbors in service, and to the nations in going. You see, our vision to give ourselves away isn't primarily about muchness and manyness. It's about pursuing God. And so as we transition through this season, let me just say it like this. I think that there's moments when God is going to invite us to respond. Say, as we said the other week, isn't there's anything special about the front of the building? But there is about us stepping out intentionally. And there is about us at points in acting and saying, look, there's a line. And God says, I want you to cross that line. I don't want you to go back. I'm inviting you into something new. And we choose to say, God, I'm going to step forward over that line for you, for what you want to do. I'm going to choose that. I'm going to allow you to to break things in my life. I I believe that's what God's been doing with Emma and I in this last season. He's been at work with us. He's changed us. He's given us fresh perspective on things and new desires and hungers and, and new ways of seeing, oh, that's how we do what God's called us to do. We don't know it yet. We've got to learn what that looks like. But God's showing us things. And we found ourselves saying, we don't want to go back to how we used to do things. If that's that's where we end up, well, somebody else can do it in that case. But God's at work in us. And he's at work in us as a team. And I really believe he's at work in us as a church, softening our hearts, reshaping us. Which means that some things that we used to do, or some things that we say, gosh, wasn't it great in 1994? The Toronto Blessing. And we can find ourselves pining after. I can see the smirks. It was great. It was slightly odd at times. Um, But we can find ourselves going, that was the golden era. That's what we should be shooting for. Come on, church, get back to 1994 when people shook and cried and laughed and barked like dogs and, and all of this stuff. If we get back there, then we've arrived. And God says, no, I'm doing something new. I remember as a youngster in those, in those meetings, what are we use, seeds of revival meetings we used to call them. And I remember being there and thinking, "But to what end, God, for what purpose are you encountering your church and, and renewing your church in this season?" And we used to be frustrated because it felt like it was just contained within the church. We're not trying to get back to 1994. I want to make that really clear. As we go forwards, undoubtedly God would encounter people and cause them to to shake and cry and laugh in his presence because he is awesome. And that's fine along the way. But we're not trying to get back to something God did before. We're trying to get into the new era of what God is doing now. And so it means we need to let go of some ways of thinking and some attitudes of heart because if we don't, it will actually hinder us from stepping over the line. And we also find that What God used to do in 1994 is the measuring stick. That we kind of come along and we say, oh, Gateway, look, you're not particularly 1994. Oh, dear. And we can end up with a critical spirit and and faith can be eroded. If we're not coming to God and saying, God, what is it you're doing today, now, in our generation, and we want to be on board, if we can find ourselves faith eroded and we just end up doing this thing without much faith. And our life doesn't really look that different from our next-door neighbors, except we go out on a Sunday morning to meet with a group of people in West Swindon. In Luke's gospel, in fact, in three of the gospels, Jesus was questioned about fasting. And why do John's disciples fast in one way, and why do your disciples, Jesus, not do the same? And Jesus says this, A time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and in those days they will fast. Goes on to say this No one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the new wine will burst. It will burst the skins. The wine will run out and the wineskins will be ruined. No. New wine must be poured into new wineskins. And no one, after drinking old wine, wants the new, for they say the old. Is better now if there's lots of debate around these verses and what it means, and we can say, Oh, it's about the Old Testament and worship at the temple, and we're the new covenant, we worship as the church, the people of God, the spirits marked out among us. Yes, that's true, but also this sense of me personally, what about my faith? Am I hungry for the things of God right now, the new things of God that God is doing today? And am I allowing God to come by his spirit and reshape my life? Or am I just saying, to be honest, the old was better. I'm fine with the old. I'm, I'm happy like this. Because God is doing something new. And if you don't allow God to reshape us and you and me, then it will break and we won't be able to contain what God is doing. In the bad sense of the word, we'll lose it. And, and as Luke writes this and Jesus recounts what Jesus is saying, he says, there'll be many who say the old is better Boy, isn't that a sad indication of the state of the church at points? To say, God, we're not really interested in what you're doing right now. We believe that God is a God who is speaking to us right now. We have the word of God. And we have to be hungry for that. We have to be hungry for his presence. We have to be hungry to worship and exalt him as we gather together and in our own personal lives. But don't get to the point where we say the old is better. Because... Pushing into a new era is always going to be hard, but the church is always in need of renewal. And so Jesus takes the very things that God had said for his old people, for his old people, for his people to do in the Old (coughs) Testament, their ways of worship and life with God and toward God. And he says, even the things that God gave you to do, you're going to have to break those things to enter into this new covenant relationship with me because it's fresh wine, it's new wine. You can't put that into old wineskins. And so there's some practices, things that we, we've learned along the way that God says you're going to have to do it differently as you move forward. I just want to um, finish with this. We, we do really live with a, a, a big vision of what God's called us to do and to be and to become and at times it can really feel overwhelming because it's, where do we start? Gosh, there's lots of fronts that all need attention and decisions making. And this feels like it's breaking and that doesn't feel like it's working. And how do we, how do we grow and move forwards? But into the heart of that, God is saying to us, I want you to pursue me. God, how do, we, how do we sort this problem? I want you to pursue me. God, this area of my life, I want you to pursue me. And it feels like that's what God is doing with us as a team right now. As we look at Gateway. As we look at us and who we are, and as we're saying, gosh, there's lots that needs to be sorted. There will always be lots that needs to be sorted, by the way, but it feels like God is saying, I want you to learn to pursue me. I want you to learn to be hungry for me, gateway church, and as you do that, then I'll move. It's a new way of doing things. And one of these is that I believe God wants to birth in us a fresh heart for our town. And and Steve was, when I was chatting with him, he said, this feels like one of the key things of the back of that prophetic word, is that God births in church as a passion for the place that they live and a simplicity of how we do church as a response. You see, we can be theologically right about people who are far from God and their need for salvation. We can be theologically right about the challenges that this town faces, where people are spiritually. We can be right about those things in our thinking, but far from God in our feeling towards those things. And we, in this season, in this new era, church, we need to allow God to birth in us a fresh heart for this town. That only when we feel its hurt and pain and brokenness and lostness and spiritual lostness of Swindon will we begin to grasp what God wants to renew, not in us, but in this town. Otherwise, we come with our nice religious agenda. Hey, Gateway, I mean, hey, Swindon, have some of this. And it vomits rather than welcomes. And so over this season, as we pray, my prayer, as we gather, as we pray in that room, and you have your hour slot, or maybe more than one hour, but as we pray and as we gather together, is my prayer is that we say, God, would you birth in us in this new era, would you birth in us a passion for this town. And that was the story of Nehemiah. And I'm not going to unpack the story. Um, but he heard about the situation. I'm going to do a very brief version. He heard about the situation in Jerusalem. The dwelling place of God. That it was lying in ruins. And he had a conversation and heard about this. And he said this in Nehemiah 1. Those who survived the exile are back. No, he heard this, sorry. They said this to me. Those who survived the exile are back in the province And are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down. And its gates have been burned with fire. And a generation of God's people have begun to accept the status quo. And said, okay, we're in exile. we just now got to get married, have kids, find jobs, settle down. That was the attitude of God's people. In exile. Boy, that can be the attitude of the church today, can't it? Well, yeah, this is how things are. We can't really expect them to be... That different, and yet for one man when on hearing this news, he was broken to his core over his home city. It moved him, and he says this, it records this in Nehemiah. when I heard these things, I sat down and wept for some days. I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven, and he goes on to recount his prayer. he got into the presence of God, he saw the plight of his people, he saw the plight of the nation of the town, of the city. And it broke him. And that's what we need God to come and do in this new era. He was freshly broken. And his brokenness caused him to act and believe and behave in such a way that through brokenness, God would bring healing and restoration and salvation. We will never move into a new era of God if we do not allow God to break our heart for this place. We'll just passively sit by and say, Isn't it sad? But you know, anybody can do that. But God is inviting us into a new era to be those who exist to give themselves away for the people of Swindon and out to the nations of the world. And so that leaves us with a big question. How are you going to respond in this moment? I believe that God's put a line in front of us and said, I'm inviting you to cross into a new era. And can I be really honest I think we need to allow God to soften our hearts and respond well. And there's something that has both perplexed me and frustrated me often is that at times when there's a call to respond to what God's doing in meetings like this, there's something in me that goes, God, we should all be responding. Why are we not hungry and soft-hearted to say, hey, God, I'm going to come and surrender this area of life that I know you've got your finger on. They're pointing out to me, and I'm going to be soft-hearted. I don't care what other people are doing, but God, me, you, today, I'm going to respond and be soft-hearted. And in this season, my prayer is that we would learn to be soft-hearted to God and very responsive because it is going to be very costly. To step into a new season when we have broken hearts for this town is going to be very costly. But that's what God's doing. He wants to mobilize his people. He wants to invite us into a season of intimacy. And there is no way you can be in the presence of Jesus and go away the same. And if we find ourselves doing that week in, week out, same old, same old attitude, same old life, same old circumstances, same old rhythms of life, patterns of life, attitudes towards our neighbors and the lost and the broken, then you need to take a serious look at your walk with Jesus. Because God wants to awaken in us in this season, a new era of renewal, because he wants to move in power. Let's stand. We're finished. Father, we thank you that you are with us and for us. And I want to pray in this day that we would go from this place today responding to your um, invitation to us in these days. And I pray for bold and courageous decisions even today in hearts and marriages and families and in individuals that we would make bold and courageous decisions that say God I want you to come and break me for this town I want you to come and birth in me a fresh desire to be in your presence I want you to come and I want to to see with eyes of faith what it is that you're doing in this new era that I might walk in power that I might walk in your presence That I might know you more That I may be a blessing to my neighbors and to my neighborhood and my colleagues and family. And so, Father, we lift this coming season to you. We lift these next few months and we pray, breathe on us a fresh breath of God. You're already doing it, Father. We thank you for that, but we say more. Lord, we pray for more of you. We pray for more of your presence. We pray that as we um, set sail with 24-7 and, and men and women walk into that room, that every time as we get going that people would say, I encountered the very tangible presence of God in that place. And I came away changed because I encountered God, the holy God. And we invite you to come and do something new in us for your glory, Lord. We, we pray for fresh wine, new wine in these days. But we pray, make us flexible, therefore, God, not stuck in the old, but pioneering the new, courageous with our decisions, full of faith for incredible kingdom exploits in our generation, that we may see a mighty move of God. We don't just want to read about it. We want to stand in it, in our day, in our generation. And so we bless one another in your name, and we we bless your name this morning, King Jesus. We say, be glorified and exalted in your people here. Amen.